Welcome to Your Brain On by Salience Learning. I'm Karen Foster. And I'm Krista Gerhard. We've seen a lot of this type of disruption within pharma and life sciences where historically stakeholders who have not been willing to try something new have been forced into trying something new. So, you know, this is this disruptor has created an acceptance for productive failure, what we like to say, right? So we can try what we've always been doing, or we could try something new and we could learn. We could learn from our, you know, the gaps in between what we did do and what we're going to try new. And we have these opportunities now where people are coming to us with ideas because they recognize it's the power of, of sitting through a really horrible learning experience, specifically within the virtual environment. I mean, I think what we did, you know, in March of 2020 versus what we're doing now has seen such a dramatic shift and change our approach, our stakeholders mindset. Everybody has forced to, has been forced to sort of travel along this growth mindset with us in terms of learning, right? Where our stakeholders are coming back to us for the first time ever and saying, I think we have too much in this. I think we're, we're putting too much on the learners. I feel like we need to dial it back. And, That's great. And we're sitting here like, whoa, all right, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is a dialogue, right? And now they're open to these ideas. And there's still some, you know, coaching that has to go along. But I totally agree with you. Like, people are still having to perform the same skills, still requiring the same knowledge, but they have the ability to now practice it in a new environment. And that's going to create some transfer of learning as well. Like, it's just... It's been really interesting to watch the progression specifically within the learning space. Yeah, I think that's great, Chris. And, and I, uh, I'll piggyback on that. You know, it's also because of the, because so many of uh, the learning professionals and managers, et cetera, are now having to uh, go online, run meetings, do trainings. It's an opportunity. Like before, people might have just been, no, I'm not going to do that. But now they're like, well, I have to do it. So I'm willing to listen to what you have to say. Just this, just uh, over the last 24 hours, um, in one of my uh, online presentation science cohorts, a um, bunch of instructors, and they are. We had them, we had a project. We added a project uh, where they were developing scenario-based questions. And they, some of them decided to actually record a presentation using PowerPoint or whatever to record there. And they're, they're like, wow, you know, I never really tried this before. And I don't think I'm very good at it right now, but I'm really glad that you're pushing me in this direction. And, a lot, and you know, a lot of people who wouldn't have done it are now forced to do it. And that opens up lots of opportunities for, you know, us making progress. Absolutely. I think the other, um, thing that I'm curious about that I would like to get your perspective on in addition to sort of how we're seeing things shift due to the virtual is also that evaluation component that you spoke to in the beginning of this discussion. Because so often what we see with our stakeholders is that smiley face sheet is the is the indicator of whether or not the learning was a success. If everybody walked away happy, we're great, but we're not exactly sure how to transfer 
you know, that learning experience and just a meaningful evaluation. We've got some of our stakeholders wanting return on investment. We've got another set of stakeholders who just want to make sure all the learners were happy. We've got another set of stakeholders who want to make sure that they're productive. And creating learning evaluation in, in life sciences has always been a challenge. I'm curious if you have any perspective or thought on that. Well, sure. Well, Okay, so I'm going to hold up uh, my original book from a couple of years ago. I know nobody can see this because we're just audio, but, um, and I'm rewriting that now. But so I wrote a book on how to get, make better smile sheets. And I started this out because uh, the research I saw, and there were several meta-analyses covering over 150 scientific studies, and they all showed that smile sheets re results were correlated with learning results at about 0.09. And statisticians tell us anything below 0.30 is a weak correlation. So 0.09 is virtually no correlation at all. And my gut reaction was, okay, let's just throw them out. And then I said, no, we're gonna do them anyway. Organizations have been doing these for a long time. There's, there's benefits to them. We know that you know, the learners need a chance to vent. Uh, it's respectful to ask the learners. It's a tradition. We're gonna continue this. So I asked myself, well, can we make them better? The obvious answer, since I wrote a book about it, is yes, we can make them better. Um, so, yeah, but so I'm a guy that wrote a book on learner surveys, but I'm also like the biggest advocate that says they are not enough. You know, they are a starting point. Um, uh, so we have to do more than that. I, uh, you know, a lot of the, the dominant evaluation model in the L&D field is the Kirkpatrick four-level model. Um, I call it the Kirkpatrick Kitzel four-level model now because Raymond Kitzel was actually the originator um, of it back in the 1950s. But think about that. It was built in the 1950s, and we have learned so much about learning. So it's really, uh, the model's good in some ways. It encourages us to think beyond learning to the results. But uh, it doesn't really help us think about learning that much. So in the new evaluation model, LTEM, it has eight tiers. And uh, tier three is the learner surveys, right? So sort of at the lower end. And then going up from there, I'm not going to go into all of it because it's too, too much for an audio podcast. But uh, tier four is knowledge. Tier five is decision making. And tier six is uh, task competence, whether you can actually complete a task. And so uh, when we think about evaluation, we should be thinking about the big picture. Uh, by the way, tier seven and eight are, uh, you know, tier eight is whether you get the results and tier eight is whether you've got the uh, behaviors, et cetera. I don't call them that, but just for s simplicity purposes. So we need to be looking at all of that. Um, you know, I have the same kind of experience that you guys have. I have clients come to me and say, just help us fix the smile sheet. I have clients come in and say, okay, we need an ROI analysis. We need a level four, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I think my sense of it is, okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what it's going to take. I have been, I have, <laughs> I'm not a very good capitalist, but I often try to convince people or to at least show them that you, you really want a level four, we can do one. Here's what it's going to take to do. Here's all the costs behind it. Um, is this really what you want to do? Is this worth it? Yeah. And usually people say no, and we don't really want that now that you've explained what it is. Um, 
But what's most important is to lay out a map of the options. It's much better to think first, you know, what are our results that we want? And then work back to our evaluation. Okay, so how are we going to evaluate those? Then so when, once we have the evaluation, then we design the learning. I know this is a really long answer. I'm sorry, guys, but it's complicated. <laughs> no, I, I think it's really, I personally respect, respect obviously what you're saying. And I think it's helpful because I think it allows us to have more informed conversations that, it, that set appropriate expectations, right? So if you are understanding what the the desired key performance indicator or outcome or result that you're driving towards, then you all can get behind a design that supports that. And sometimes if we don't do that first, right, we don't ever have those upfront discussions, then we can end up in sort of a spin mode during the design process because we haven't aligned our stakeholders on what the ultimate outcome is. That's so, you know, while long, a long answer, still useful and very meaningful, you know? I mean, well, evaluation's never a short answer. Yeah. Well, but, but you, you emphasize something really important is that, you know, all this has to be a conversation, a sense of communal understanding with our stakeholders of what we're all about, what we're aiming for, and what we can do, what we can't do. And if we don't start with that, you know, agreement, then we're going to get burned, Right. <laughs> And our stakeholders are going to be unhappy. And that means we're going to get doubly burned. Very true. Very true. Um, so we'd love to know, just in, in from your perspective as well, what do you see as sort of the future of learning? Um, you know, coming out of this pandemic, moving forward, uh, being courageous, being pioneers. Um, what do you really see as, as, as the future? And, and sort of what are your steps that you're taking? I know you're updating your book to, to be part of that wave of the future. Well, I think we're going to, I think it's going to be a, uh, there's not one future. Okay. So start out with that. There's going to be people that um, are using research insights as their go-to hypotheses about how to design, but they're going to even do better than that. They're going to also create a good evaluation system so they have the feedback loop so that they can continually improve. So that's like the best and the brightest are going are gonna to do that. Um, there's going to be people that sort of do mid-ground, and then there's going to be people who just continue with the traditions and continue to make the same mistakes. And so it's going to be all over the field. I, I really feel like uh, there's going to be a competitive advantage that organizations can gain by doing the more effective stuff. Um, and, you know, in some sense, you, you know, to pref if you want your organization to be successful, your people have to be doing as well as they can. And if you want your people to be doing as well as they can, there's a lot of factors that go into that. There's good management. Uh, there's good education. There's good recruiting to make sure you bring in the right people. There's uh, organizational culture. But we in L&D can help in some of that, not all of it, but some of it. And uh, so the organizations who are doing best are going to be doing that kind of thing. So um, in terms of what I'm doing to prepare for the future, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, you know, what I've tried to do in my work, and I, I started out with this thought when I started work learning research, it was to bridge the gap between the research side and the practice side. And so, uh, you know, my work is to try to communicate 
the good stuff. These are the things you should be doing. But I also try to communicate some of the bad stuff, things you should avoid. You know, um, and there's a whole list of those. <clears throat> I started an organization called the Debunker Club uh, to encourage people to um, be willing and, and feel unafraid to uh, share their concerns about things like learning styles or neuro-linguistic processing or some other you know, crazy stuff that we know is probably not working that well. Um, you know, I've, I've seen, I'm kind of optimistic in the sense that more and more people seem to be uh, embracing, uh, and, and there are setbacks and there's some, you know, there's some pockets of resistance, of course, mm-hmm. there always is. But I see more and more people coming together and say, you know, we should be research aligned. Um, I, I run a podcast with Matt Richter, Truth and Learning podcast. So we try to emphasize these things on our podcast, you know, what's good, what's bad. Um, this summer, we had a conference, the L&D Conference 2020. And we basically, we got, you know, a lot of some of the world's best mm-hmm. research to practice folks. Julie Dirkshen, Patty Shank. Clark Quinn, Miriam Nealon. I hope I don't forget anybody. Uh, <laughs> Guy, Guy Wallace, I was there, um, and, and a bunch of other people. And, and we're using the term now research aligned because not everybody you're going to invite as, in, you know, as a thought leader is going to be research focused. You know, not everybody can go into the, not everybody has time to go into the science and compile it. Um, but there's people that are aligned with the research. They might not even know about the research, but they're doing stuff that's aligned with it or that at least is not doing things that are like completely against it. So what we did was we found research aligned people um, and the conference went really well. You know, we, we were aiming for at least 50 people. We got over 300 people um, and the people at the end they just, they, they love the conference, you know, like 30% said this was by far the best conference that we've ever been to. And what people told us at the end, you know, some people came to the conference and they were, um, you know, they were already in this mindset. They wanted to do more things that were research-based and they, they liked it. But there were some people that came, they didn't know anything about the research base, but they heard that, you know, some famous people were coming or whatever. And they came and they go, oh my gosh, this has opened up my world. This is great. I never thought about this. Uh, and they're, you know, advocating on LinkedIn, all this stuff is great. Um, but, but several, you know, a whole bunch of people told us at the end, you know, we, Matt, Will, we want you to continue this community. So we're now, uh, we're, we're gonna, we're creating a, a new membership organization called the Learning Development Accelerator. We don't have a website yet. Um, Matt's going to actually show me the first version this afternoon, uh, but we're coming out learning development accelerator, and uh, we want to have an organization that encourages uh, people to be open, to be open to research-based things, to have conversations, but also to focus more on helping our members, um, the professionals in the field, mm-hmm. uh, in all the things that we need to do to to be more creative. We want to have a global. Uh, audience, speaker base, a very diverse uh, group of folks. Um, we're very, it's, it's exciting. So that's sort of, <laughs> that's my next step in trying things out. And by the way, I've, you know, I mentioned some of the things that have been somewhat successful, but I've tried a lot of things that have not been successful, <laughs> but I just got to keep at it. Well, productive failure, right? I mean, that's, that's, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah that's, I, that's my, 
It's uh, my calling uh, card. Exactly. You're going to put that on my tombstone. We, we cannot say enough. Uh, Will, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insights. And I think the steps that you're taking in developing a community, I know my heart uh, gets uh, excited and races at the concept. So, because uh, I know Krista would agree, I can speak for her in saying that, especially within pharma and biotech, there is just a hunger and a thirst for uh, research-based, uh, uh, as you're indicating, learning and development that really will drive uh, the efficiency and effectiveness of organizations, which in turn helps patients, right? So within that industry, it's such a, you know, real drive uh, to, to to the patient quality of life and and amazing research and development that's coming out. But that's only fueled by, like you said, how well people are doing and and how they're performing in their organizations. And so how L&D can be that strategic partner. So So we thank you so much for your time today and your insights. Uh, it's really enjoyable, and uh, we definitely we look forward to that wave of the future. So thank you. Well, uh, well, thank you, Karen and Krista, and it's great to have this opportunity. But I also want to thank you and Salience for advocating this and working this and making it work in the real world. So that's really critically important. So thank you for your work. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Brain On. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Krista Gerhardt. And I'm Karen Foster. And we'll see you next time.